Hello, friends. This is Jody Kiracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. James 1.5 in the NLT says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. My guest, Heidi Riddig, has had many opportunities to seek God for wisdom about a whole variety of things and has found him really faithful to provide it. Heidi is a program manager of family-based mental health services at a mental health agency, and out of the sudden loss of Heidi's first husband, God gave her a mission. She co-founded Schools of Life, a ministry that helps children in Cambodia. Now married to David, they love their blended family of five adult children. I hope you'll be touched by her God story as much as I am and know it will encourage you, build your faith, and equip you in your walk with the Lord. Welcome, Heidi. Hi, Jody. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for taking time. Heidi, you first accepted Christ as a child. Tell us a little about your background, your family, and how that came about. My parents were high school sweethearts, and they grew up in Western PA, and we moved to a suburb outside of Chicago. And my mom and dad, I had a younger sister, three years younger. Um, They had a really tough marriage. When I was six, they ended up divorcing. Uh, I had a lot of trauma in my early childhood years. My dad, he traveled for work and he would leave on Sunday evenings and then he would come back on Thursday evenings. And my mom stayed home with my sister and me. And I think she was lonely and eventually turned to alcohol. And she drank a lot. And of course, at the time I was young and I didn't understand what was going on. I just knew she slept a lot. I was a parentified child is what ended up happening. Um, We were kind of neglected. I took care of my sister and I didn't really understand why my mom was different from everybody else. Um, But she was, she slept a lot and was not around much. I remember my aunt coming to visit. Her sister came from Western PA. She was concerned about what was going on in the home. And she was asking a lot of questions. I remember her asking me, like, why do you go to Margaret's house in the morning before school? And I said, well, Margaret does my hair. Margaret feeds me breakfast. And I remember her calling my grandparents and saying, like, we have a big problem here. Uh, Things are not good here. So through through those events, that set into a, um, a set of events where my mom ended up going into rehab. And she got sober. And my dad, while she was in treatment, had found out some things that had happened while, you know, she was drinking and he just couldn't get over it. And they ended up divorcing. My mom remarried. My dad remarried four months later. And my mom remarried like six months after that. She ended up marrying my dad's best friend who became my stepfather. And we moved back to Western PA to be closer to my mom's family. So this was a good period in my life. My stepfather was, um, you know, a really good, stable man. But I do not consider myself growing up in a Christian home. Uh, Both my parents had come from, you know, church-going families. And my mom's family was very uh, strong Christians. My family didn't go to church much. We had spotty church attendance. You know, they talk about God. My stepfather identifies agnostic and kind of alluded to just some bad experiences in in his own childhood that led him not to believe in God. So, yeah, I knew about God, but we didn't really go to church and it wasn't really a Christian environment. 
So we got really close to the family in our new home in West. We're back in Western PA now. We're about a half hour from my grandparents, who were a very strong influence in my life. But we became good friends with the family across the street. And their grandmother came to visit one summer, and she stayed for a month. And she was a very spirit-filled woman. And she just was glowing and just loved the Lord. She would have little mini like Bible schools and vacation Bible schools, and she would set up every day we'd have a lesson. So we would sit there together and she would teach us. She taught us the, the books of the Bible in order. She taught us the early verses, John 3, 16, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. She would quiz us. She would tell stories. We learned all the songs. And there was just something about her that I just really felt drawn to. I remember one day she asked me if I wanted to accept the Lord into my heart. And I told her yes. And I really wasn't sure. I was eight years old. I wasn't really sure what that meant, but I knew I wanted it. And so uh, she prayed the prayer with me and, and I prayed along and accepted, you know, Jesus as my savior. So that's kind of like how I started, you know, in the beginning. So, you know, but as time went on, my mom, when I was in sixth grade, went back to work. And she explained to us that she was going back to work as a drug and alcohol counselor. And she explained that she was a recovering alcoholic. I hadn't really known that. I, a lot of light bulbs went off when she told me that. Um, and it all made sense. Like, oh, now I understood my childhood and what had happened and, you know, what would have been going on. And so she went back to work. She met somebody at work, a man at work, and she ended up, you know, leaving my stepfather for him. And we had to move. And I was about 12 years old. We moved three times in one year, 12, 13, 14, around those ages. And it was a really, really tough time for me. I was uh, in 10th grade going to three different schools. And I was angry. I was, I was just really angry that um, she had uprooted our lives like this. I just was lost. And... I would write letters to my stepfather and I would t write about God and why is God doing this to me? And God can't want this for me. This can't be what he wants for my life, that I would be uprooted and leave all my friends and whatnot. It was a really tough time for me. It's a long story, but we ended up moving back in with my stepfather. Eventually, my mom was moving around too much with her third husband. And they had a very tumultuous relationship. Unfortunately, my mom had kind of transferred addictions from alcohol to relationships. And she was, there was a lot of trauma involved in that too. The police had been called to our house a few times from domestic violence. And I was just a very unhappy kid. And eventually my biological father had, had allowed us to move back in with my stepfather back in Western PA. So my sister and I moved back in with him, stayed there with him. And my mom would come visit once a week. We would see her once a week. And I was just like a very angry kid about this. Yeah, it was really a tough relationship for me. You know, I went on to college. Um, my stepfather said, well, there's no money for college. So you have, you know, two state school choices. So I picked um, the University of Pittsburgh and I went to college. And this whole time, oh, I, I shouldn't go back and say that in some of our spotty attendance at church, I had been confirmed in the Presbyterian church. And that had had a, a big profound, a profound effect on me. The minister who taught the class 
um, had, had just done a really wonderful job of just breaking down, you know, the whole Bible and the whole uh, meaning of having a relationship with Jesus and living a Christian life. And I had chosen to go and profess my faith and I was confirmed when I was 13. I guess I could say that, um, you know, through high school, through college, I always felt God's presence. If you would have asked me, I would have said I was a Christian. I believed in God, but I didn't have a personal relationship with God. When you got to college and and you really kind of became an adult, you really began having recognizing a, a bigger need for God in your life, in your decisions. And what happened there? So what happened was I had a roommate and my roommate in college hadn't been a close friend of mine, but she had been confirmed with me back home. And we would, um, you know, sometimes we would, we would read the Bible together before we go to bed. Sometimes we would attend the church across the street, but it was kind of like, I had this relationship with God that was kind of like on a shelf when I, I would take it down off the shelf when I wanted to, and then I put it back on the shelf and I was kind of like, you know, God was on my terms. And, um, so I was dating uh, a guy in college. I got to a point where I realized it wasn't a good relationship for me. And I actually broke off the relationship. And right after we broke up, I immediately regretted it. I was very, very upset. I, I don't know if I expected him to beg me to come back, but it was over and I was devastated. And even though I really felt like this is not a good relationship for me, that there was something more for me, I was devastated. And I just, one day I was so upset about it that I just got on my knees and I just prayed the very raw, heartfelt prayer that wasn't pretty, but very heartfelt. And I just said, you know, Lord, I cannot do it my way anymore. Like I need you to take over. I surrender. I just laid it all out. And what happened? I mean, did you all of a sudden feel like, you know, a changed woman or? I felt a lot better, but the next day, nothing happened right away. But the next day I got on the bus to go to my internship, right? That, at that time I was doing an internship through college and um, I got on the bus and I saw a woman on the bus that had, was on the bus route that I'd see from time to time, but I didn't know her, but she said, She's like, you know, I just want to tell you, your, your skin looks beautiful today. She said, you're glowing. And I just took that as like a sign of hope. But anyway, so here I am. That was in February. Nothing changed, but I joined a Bible study at work. At work, there was a Tuesday afternoon Bible study. Some people on my unit where I worked, I was working in the field of social work. And we were in an inpatient drug and alcohol unit where I was interning they had invited me to go to a Bible study. They were all members of a, most of them were members of a very like spirit-filled church in our area. And so I started going to Bible study with them. You know, somewhere along the line, somebody gave me the book, Power for Living. I don't know if you remember that book. It was a, a great little book. Uh, it's out of print, I think. Um, and I have a copy, but there were inspirational stories that were shared in there and there were prayers shared in there. And it just had a tremendous impact on my life. So I was seeking God. Now, you know, I was like, you know, seeking him. I was kind of going to spotty church attendance again and going to this Bible study. So about four months after I had, you know, gotten on my knees and prayed and surrendered my life to Jesus, 
It was a regular day in July. It's about four months later, four or five months later. And it was a regular day at work. And I remember it was a Tuesday because we had Bible study. We all went to the Bible study as usual. And we came back for our one o'clock treatment team meeting. It was where we sat around the big table and talked about all the patients and the plans for their treatment. And we were just sitting there and I just can't explain how it started. But all of a sudden, this tremendous feeling of peace just came over me. I just had this feeling that kind of went, I guess, from my heart, from my head to my heart. And I, I can, all I can tell you is I turned to a coworker and I said, you know, none of this matters. And he, you know, kind of stopped. He, we were doing some side talk, you know, in the meeting and he's, he turned to me and he kind of looked at me kind of quizzically. And I said, none of this matters. This world does not matter. There is a world, there's an eternal life. And he, you know, gets this big smile on his face. He kind of tells some other people and they're having a, He's like, wow, you get it. It was like right in front of their eyes. I was, I was totally transforming. And I just, it was a tremendous peace just came over me. And I totally understood what, what it meant to have eternal life. And for three days, I was on, all I can say, it was like a high. It was like everywhere I went, I could see God. Every song I heard, every, um, you know, every commercial I saw, every, I would, I was greeting strangers. I was, the sky was blue. The flowers were beautiful. And I just could totally understand, you know, what eternal life meant and that this world was fleeting. And it was um, like, I was living in the world, but not of it. And I, I had the most tremendous feeling of peace over, over my my whole body and my soul. Interesting that it was three days that the Lord really kind of carried you into a yes. kind of a different dimension almost, it sounds like. Yes, because, you know, on the third day, I, I remember going to like a Pittsburgh Pirates baseball game and, you know, going through the parking lots to walk to the gate and just looking around at the people and thinking like, I wasn't there. I just can't explain it. I just had this this wonderful feeling. And on the third day, I could feel it kind of ebbing away. And I was like, no, no, Lord, no, I want to keep this feeling. No, no, don't go away. You know, eventually it went away, but I was forever changed. I was no longer the same person. And that's, and somebody did say to me later, and it's, you know, no coincidence that it was three days and your, your old self died and you were new. And it's funny because I was 23 at the time. And when I think of myself, before that, I almost think of that person before that as almost in the second person. Like she was a totally different person. I'm very grateful, you know, it was to have had that experience that God gave me that experience because um, it's carried me through many times. Yeah. I mean, it says in the Bible that you are a new creation. The yes. old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. And you really had an experience like that more than a lot of people, you know, have. I mean, the Lord deals with each of us in different ways, but that's a, yeah. that's a really an amazing story how God seared that on your heart, right. that you are a new creation now. The old things are gone and you are all new. Yep. Yes. It was, it was a wonderful gift. So you're at this point, you're kind of moving into social work. You began working as a social worker and mm-hmm. you're growing in the Lord and, uh, you met a new man, mm-hmm. a wonderful man who eventually got married to. So how did you see God guiding you in that relationship that was so different than relationships of the past? And 
as you started your life together? Yes. Well, like I said, it was it was kind of like when I tell that story, I always say, oh, I wish I could say from that moment on, everything was perfect and I lived happily ever after. And that was the end of that. And of course, no, I that was just the beginning. You know, that was the beginning of my faith journey. And um, yeah, six months after that, I met my husband. He had left the Catholic Church and we were like starting out. Well, we ended up, we were friends first, fell in love, got married, and we were kind of like growing together. I was a new baby Christian and he was starting over from the Catholic Church. And, you know, we were kind of like learning together on our own, you know, growing together. So um, we joined a church that was very evangelical and, uh, you know, did it all, did the small groups, you know, retreats, got very involved, did the nursery. Um, you know, we went on to have four kids. Um, we ended up joining a church in our community that was closer to our home because the kids were getting involved in the church activities. And we kind of grew together, you know, in our walk, you know, with the Lord. And I was doing all the right things. And, you know, I felt like my life and the life that we were providing for our children was totally different than how I had been raised. And, you know, I loved it. We, uh, we ended up joining a church in the community and I was a member there for 22 years. And that church was a big part of our lives and my children's lives. You know, we had a wonderful time there and, you know, things were, were wonderful. We, the kids got very involved in mission. Our church had a big focus on mission work. I took each one of my children on a mission trip before their senior year in high school. We did some really wonderful things together. They would go every year uh, and work at a camp in um, Michigan for inner city kids. We did a lot of that. And my husband, he worked a lot. Uh, he was a, He was a doctor, so he had a tough schedule. He did as much of all that as he could and all the, you know, the extra activities. But a lot of that fell on me in terms of doing those trips uh, with the kids. So mission, I mean, that is very formative. I mean, it for, it really forms your relationship with Christ. It gives you an appreciation for really where we live. <laughs> when you start doing all of that, it just, it, it's so formative and the huge part of who you were and even, you know, later in life became an even bigger part. Right. Right. So everything seemed to be going fine when, without warning, your husband, who you said was a medical doctor, he died. I mean, just out of the blue. So what, I mean, what happened? How did that affect you, you and your family and your faith? Yeah, that was, that was a big shock. Yeah. One day he was driving home from work and he pulled over to the side of the road and had a massive stroke and died two days later. Mm. Yeah. So um, that was a shock. We did not see that coming. It was a very, very difficult time. My kids were ages 21 to 15 at the time um, when that happened. I would say that the best support we had was through our church. Our church was amazing during that time. Um, our support group was there for us, the community. And, you know, I, I had friends that would show up at my house at 7 a.m. In the, in the morning to pray on, on me. And with me, you know, just tremendous support through it all. Um, before he had passed away, in the, in the couple years before, there are a couple 
things that I felt like maybe God was getting me ready. I had read Job, but had never studied it to the extent that the study had taught me. And um, I also read Johnny Erickson Tata's books about her whole story. Um, and I also read Dietrich Bonhoeffer's biography. I don't know, you know, and then we all, I also read Redeeming Love. And it's funny because I read all these books right kind of before my husband passed away. And I think the message that I was getting over and over and again before he passed away and during and even after was, you know, that no matter what our circumstances, we have to trust. God. And I kept coming back to that. And, and after my husband passed away, you know, Esther many times came up. Ex Esther 414, perhaps, you know, this is such a time that you've been, you know, called to. Many people said that to me. I know I didn't quote that well, but many people would, would talk about her bravery and her courage. And I mean, I had to be brave. I had to do, I had to pick up my bootstraps and get going. I was a lot of things I had to learn how to do. Yeah. And those aren't roles that you want. Those aren't roles that you say, Hey, you know, sign me up for this, but, uh, right. you find that God really carries you through those times too, in a different way than he carried you in those early days, those three days, but you find new strength. Right. Exactly. You know, I had to kind of really lean on God and just trust. And, you know, I had to put one foot in front of the other, you know, and uh, that's kind of how in the beginning we we were coping. And like I said, we were very fortunate to have a really good support system, you know, through it all. Yeah. What was one of the most helpful things that someone did for you during those times? I always say the prayers where, you know, people, since that time, other spouses have passed away and people have come to me and said, what can we do for them? And there really isn't much anyone can do other than the prayers. I have, I, all I can tell you, Jody, is there were many times I could feel the prayers. I could just feel the prayers carrying us through because there isn't really anything anyone can do. I, you know, there were day-to-day -day things, obviously people stopping by and they would help. Um, I always say that the people, their the way their talents fall, everybody uses their talents during that time. You know, the, the prayers they prayed, the people who cooked made meals, you know, the people who transported people took, you know, could take us places. My oldest daughter is very business-like. She, she got everything in order. Um, and yeah, my second daughter would tuck me in at night, you know, it's, it's kind of like everybody stepped up into what their talents were. And it was kind of a group effort that got us through. Yeah. It was the body of Christ working together. So over the course of your healing process over time, God gave you a new mission. Yes. Tell us what inspired this, how it started, and what did you what did you actually do? During this time, before my husband died, uh, I had a good friend, Karen, and she was battling um, cancer. She did uh, like a three-year ordeal with cancer and, event, and eventually ended up passing away four months after my husband died. Our community and my group of supporters, once again, all my friends, we went through this again now with Karen. 
you know, in a way, as hard as this was on everybody, we it really brought us all very close together too. And so what happened was her husband, David, everyone was trying to support him as he was, you know, going through the same thing now, you know, in a different way, but going through a lot of the same things uh, that I had gone through. And about four months after Karen passed away, um, I ran into David at a friend's house. They were having a get together for the Penguins playoff. And uh, we were all, there's a bunch of us, and we were all friends and everybody had been very, gone through a really tough time in the last year. And when I walked in, everybody was happy to see me walk in because no one knew what to say to David. And they felt like I would understand and have something to say to him uh, since I had just gone through this myself. So we, we ended up talking and we had a, a really nice chat about grief and we started like talking to each other on the phone. One day we were talking about um, doing something special in memory of uh, Karen and my husband, Bob, and what kind of mission could we do? Because Karen also had a mission too. She was really dedicated to helping the less fortunate. Mm -hmm. So um, in that spirit of mission, work, we thought it would be something that we could do together to honor them. Through a set of circumstances, um, a friend of David's had come up with a suggestion of helping a um, charity that was based in Cambodia where they build schools for children. And they teach English, but they teach the gospel. We loved this idea right off the bat. Um, we loved it. So we got in touch with this charity and we ended up raising money for one school. To actually build the school or to, to run the school or? This kind of school that they do in Cambodia, being in like a hot or tropical climate is more, it's not a brick and mortar building. It's more like a cement slab with like a steel top and chairs. And so it's, it's, it, it's not that expensive to put put it together um but this friend of david's was trying to um spread the gospel in cambodia and um was building these schools so that the kids would hear the gospel and that they would um you know learn english because that could change their whole lives and help their families because there's a whole tourism industry out there and, you know, would benefit them. So we decided that we wanted to um, raise enough money to do one of these schools and to, you know, name the school after Bob and Karen. And 14 of us ended up going, our kids all went, some friends, and we all went to Cambodia and we dedicated this first school with this charity and while we were there we ended up meeting a missionary from seam reap he was our translator and he was trying to spread the gospel in seam reap which is a different area than where we were and long story short his name is samuel and we ended up teaming with him to build schools and support his ministry and his work in uh, seem reap and that's how schools of life 
was started. You know, friends, there are widows and orphans all over the world who have special needs that we as a company of women can meet together. Will you consider joining us with a special gift to help them? Just go to the HerGodStory.org webpage and click on the Widow and Orphan tab at the top of the page. Heidi, I love the next part of your story. As you were busy with the ministry God had put on your heart, he did something else in your heart too. Tell us about that. Well, yes. So as time went on and we were, David and I were committed to this mission and, um, you know, just really, you know, working through our grief, we fell in love and got married. So that is the happy part of the story. Yeah. So not everyone in your life thought the marriage was wise necessarily, but you've seen God's mercy and grace in it for both of you, haven't you? And and share some of the ways that you've really seen God's hand in this new marriage. A lot of people in the beginning just were, thought it was just too soon, but we knew, we knew that we wanted to be married and we wanted to be together. You know, I, my mom said at the time, you know, it's, before she even met David, she had said to me, you know, you, when I would say, oh, I'm never going to find anyone. I'm never going to get married again. She would say, you know, you won't have this special thing that you had with Bob, but God will give you something special in its own way. And that's exactly how I describe it now. You know, God has blessed us with a really good friendship and love for him. And I have grown through David in my faith. And this whole process with the mission, we just uh, feel, you know, it was meant to be that God put us together. And you now have a blended family, which they can be very challenging. I have a blended family as well. So what are some of the ways that you have prayed for your family? I mean, prayer prayer is a foundation that kind of got you through your grief and really helps with every challenging situation. And when we ask God for wisdom, what are some of those practical things that you've been praying for your family as, as you've developed a new family together? The kids are our number one thought daily. We talk about the kids all the time. We pray for the kids all the time. The kids are fabulous. You know, we love them so much. Um, You know, we worry about them, uh, especially when they make decisions that maybe we don't agree with. Like like all adult children, right? (laughs) Not all of them go to church. And, you know, that's hard for us. But we, you know, we trust God. Um, I think for me, I lean on so many scriptures right now that daily that when it comes to the kids, I lean on Hebrews 11, one now faith is a substance of things hoped for and evidence of not things not seen. I recently had a friend in my small group actually pray, you know, for this issue for the kids that they would come all come to know Jesus. You know, and he, you know, in his prayer, he said, We are believing no matter what we see. And I go right back to trusting the Lord. I lean a lot on 2 Timothy 2.23, you know, in our lives. Avoid useless quarrels that cause strife. You know, plant the seed where you can and pray that God may grant them repentance, uh, you know, and that they will do his will. I lean on that all the time. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. I I say that at least once a day to calm myself down, to remember, you know, that God is in control. The one thing, Jody, that has been so wonderful for me is my own experience. 
of being transformed in an instant, you know, and I'm so grateful that I have that because I understand what God can do because I experienced it. When the enemy wants to whisper those fears or worries into my ear, I say, no, I stand on the word. I know, and I felt it and I live it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm constantly keeping my eyes straight ahead, you know, on Jesus fighting the good fight. Um, even when things don't look like they're going the way I want them to, or hope for, you know, I'm not going to give up. Yeah. We have a family of adult children as well. I found this book, um, Stormy O'Martian wrote it. She's written a lot of really good books on prayer. And this one is about praying for your adult children. And they have, she has little prayers every day. They're all based on scripture. And I just go through it, pray those prayers. And then I, you know, as the Holy Spirit gives me other insight, I, I add to it, but it's been really helpful for me to focus my prayers on different parts of, of their lives, that the Lord would intervene and work in all the various aspects of their lives to transform them into who he wants them to be. That's been a really helpful tool for me as I've, you know, cause we have some children that are walking with the Lord and others that aren't where we would hope them to be yet either. But uh, also like you believing, standing in faith that, you know, right. Well, that one of those verses in, in Proverbs says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. And I remind myself they're not old yet. So right. <laughs> the Lord is faithful. When they're old, they're not going to depart from his truth. That's right. And it's God's timing, you know, and um, we trust, we trust God. Yeah. Yeah. We have to trust the Lord and he's faithful. He's so, so faithful. He is so faithful. He is. So as you walk with the Lord through the good times and the challenging ones, what are some of the key truths and scriptures that, that have carried you through? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, even through hardships. You know, I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. You know, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed of this world. You know, I'm not going to worry. I am, I am going to, you know, I'm renewing my mind. I'm staying focused on Jesus and I'm not worried. I, I, Psalm 91 is big for me when I'm worrying. I always say, I dwell in the secret place, you know, uh, and the shelter of the most high. So, you know, a lot of my walk right now is about, not being afraid and trusting God, even mm. when I'm not seeing what I want to see. Those are scriptures that keep me grounded. Heidi, there are so many amazing women in the Bible. Uh, you mentioned Esther earlier. Maybe it's her, or maybe there's another one whose story has really inspired, encouraged, or taught you something. And who is that? And how does her story relate to yours? I think I want to say Mary Magdalene. She comes to my mind a lot, I think, because I think her story is a story of hope because she was, you know, she had demons and Jesus saved her and he knew her name. When I get down and I get into worrying mode, especially about my family, I always remember, you know, the hope of what happened with her, how Jesus touched her, how he touched me. And what he can do. That's just, I think, one of my favorite stories. And the chosen when, you know, he knows her name and she says, how do you know my name? I'm moved to tears. Yeah. Very powerful. Yes. Psalm 73, 24 says of the Lord, you guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. 
We don't always understand what God's up to in our lives, but we can be sure that as we seek his counsel, he will guide us to a destiny that far exceeds what we could orchestrate for ourselves. It's a walk of faith. Heidi is still walking in faith, not seeing everything clearly, but she has experience with God and she trusts him. So she seeks his counsel for the things yet unseen. We pray that her story encourages you to do the same. Heidi, would you take a moment and pray for everyone who listens to your God story? I thank you and I praise you for providing me with this opportunity to share my story here today. May everything that we've shared and discussed bring glory to you and your kingdom. We know, Father, that you are our sword and our shield, and no matter what circumstances we face, we know that you've called us to a spirit of hope and confidence in you. And we are so grateful for this, Lord, and we, we trust you, Lord. And I ask your blessing upon every woman listening here today, Father. You know who they are. You know their worries. You know their hearts. You know their concerns and the areas where they need to grow. And your word says that if anyone lacks wisdom, they should just ask and you will provide. So we thank you that we don't have to rely on our own understanding and that in all things you work for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And Father, I lift Jody up to you and the good work that she is doing through her ministry. May you continue to bless her and all who tune in here to seek you and your will for their lives. Dear Lord, and I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at hergodstory.org, you will find links to scriptures and other helpful information. And don't forget to sign up for periodic emails and download our free six-week devotional on women of the Bible. It's a great way to start the year. If you haven't done so already, we invite you to join the growing company of women who support widows and orphans with us. You can do that at hergodstory.org by clicking on the Widows and Orphan Fund. We'd also love to pray for you on our 24-7 prayer and text line. So give us a call anytime at 855-459-PRAYER or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and review it on your favorite streaming service and share the story with a friend who might enjoy it as well. And now, dear friends, I leave you with a blessing adapted from Psalm verses 119, verses 74 through 77. May you who fear the Lord find cause for joy. May God's unfailing love comfort you. May he surround you with his tender mercies and may his instructions be your delight. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.